really great to be joined today by James Piper, who is the CIO of EcoSurity. So James, how are you? Lovely to uh, lovely to see you. And uh, how how are things going in this weird world we live in at the moment with everything, and especially the the lockdown? Yeah, uh, very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, good afternoon. And uh, yeah, it's all going okay in lockdown. I've actually had a delivery of cookies and cakes today from EcoSurity, so uh, I'm very happy. Yeah, very, very happy. <laughs> Fantastic. So. James, thanks so much for, for joining us today. We are always interested in talking to businesses that are doing amazing things in the world of business that are standing out. And one of the things that we wanted to explore today was your company and the whole B Corp certified badge that you guys have, which I'll come to in a moment. But in terms of the company itself, my understanding is in, in, in a nutshell is you help companies of all sizes comply with environmental laws. So can you just, in your own words, it's always better to get it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, tell us exactly what EcoSurity is and what you guys do. Yes, I can try. So we are, <laughs> I've never been able to explain it in less than 30 seconds, um, no matter how hard I try. So officially we are called a compliance scheme um, and we help um, all sorts of companies, um, ranging from your big multinationals, um, we work with the supermarkets and, um, you know, and massive brands. Um, all the way down to uh, smaller retailers and smaller brands and basically they have responsibilities when they put packaging waste electricals and batteries on the market they have legislation that they have to comply with and we help companies to do that so there's lots of parts of that role because um, we'll be advising companies on how to reduce packaging on how to uh, minimize waste and how to make sure things are recycled um, and we'll also be making sure that the recycling process then happens and, um, you know, the glass, plastic, aluminium, all the things they're putting on the market are getting recycled. That's, uh, you know, we're not talking a small business here. You guys are, a, a, I guess you fit the M in SME. You're a, a, a medium sized business turning over 60 million pounds. Yeah, you know, that's we're, correct. we're talking a big business with some blue chip customers as, as well that I saw on your website. So how many years has the company been going? Uh, the company was founded in uh, 2003, uh, so it's been going for just about 17, coming up to 18 years now. Yeah. Um, it feels like yesterday we had our 10th anniversary, so yeah, it was founded by a guy called uh, Steve Clark in 2003, and I joined the company in 2009, um, right. pretty much as a graduate. I studied biology in Exeter, I needed a job, and I came across this company uh, that was quite small in, in Bristol. So that leads me to one of my kind of first areas that I'd like to explore with you. I, I couldn't help but notice when I was uh, a better word than spying, that's not the right word, uh, but checking you out on, on LinkedIn and looking what you've done probably sounds worse, doesn't it, James? But <laughs> in terms of looking at, you know, your, your career to date, you joined pretty much from university and have worked your way all the way through the firm to then yeah. becoming the top role CEO, which which happens, but it doesn't happen a lot. So is it a case of you discovered something that you were incredibly passionate about, incredibly good at, or maybe it's all, all three, the third one being, this is a company that really helps people to, to thrive through, it, through their career. What is it that helps you to, to basically go through so many promotions to become you know, the, 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 top, the top person? Yeah, um, I, I, mm, it's a good question. I think it is a little bit of all three. I'll, um, some more than others, I suspect. Um, 
I do think I'm okay at it, but yeah, <laughs> I definitely think the company is also very good at nurturing people through and, you know, particularly for a small company, we're 40 people. So, um, you know, we're a, we're still a reasonably small company in terms of number of employees. Um, and obviously, you know, but we do have a, a mid-sized uh, turnover. Um, so I guess what I have found, what I found was a company I was extremely passionate about. Um, it was it was trying to, at the time, do things that others weren't um, yep. and trying to do something very different. And really, I would say in the last five years, we've really found our groove in that and, and worked out how to be very different. Um, and if we take as an example, uh, basically, we're, we're proving that recycling has happened. Um, and that proof that recycling has happened, you could do that by um, getting evidence of recycling from stuff that's being shipped abroad that maybe isn't transparent, or you could get it from a recycler down the road where you can prove it's all happened. And what we've done is worked with large brands and retailers to prove um, that they can do recycling locally, that we can spend more time, we can invest, we can build new recycling facilities. And so for me, that was a big passion because suddenly I could make a difference instead of, you know, investing in kind of exporting plastic and all the things you read about in the news, we could look at more local solutions, more transparent solutions. Um, and as such, we went down the B Corp route because that fit in really nicely with what we were doing and the, the ethos we had. Um, so it wasn't difficult to get passionate about a company like that. I guess it was different back in the day. You know, when I started in 2009, um, I was employee number seven. It was, you know, a scramble like all small companies are. You're kind of, uh, you know, fighting for cash flow and, and working your way through the challenges. And as you go to 10 people and then 20, 30, 40, you get different challenges. And um, I guess uh, really the last five years have been the best for us in terms of our financials and our growth and the companies that we've brought on board. Um, the fact that we've then been able to translate that into a B Corp and we're the only B Corp accredited compliance scheme in the UK. Um, yeah. And we did lots of things along the way. We got investors in People Gold and, you know, loads of things that show that we are a really uh, good company. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed every minute of that. And, I, you know, it's not that well for me it's not that unusual to move up for a company when you care about it so much um yeah. but i must admit you know the the rapid growth that i've experienced and the companies have experienced i couldn't have imagined when i joined uh 12 As years number seven so james uh, this whole recycling um I mean, it's bigger than a thing. I'm trying to think of a word. This recycling as a as a as a as something we have to do, and something that actually has a fundamentally huge impact on the world. I I must admit, I'm going to be very very honest with you. I'd always done my bit by making sure that if in the office I put it in the right in in the right bin, and trying to be as you know as good a citizen as I could be with that. But I never really thought about it hugely until lockdown. And what really started to make me think about it was being at home and just seeing how much as a household we consume. It blew my mind when all of a sudden it came to, um, especially with the fact that the bins for a period of lockdown weren't going as regular as they were, then starting to have to dispose of, of everything and compact, you know, really squish it up and try and fit it into the corner of the bin and taking all the cardboard and put it into tiny bits and just it really blew my mind how much as a household we consumed and it then started to 
scare me a little bit in terms of thinking streak if we if we really if i really think about how much everybody's consuming then it is just nuts mm. how much waste we are creating so what is it and i want to get to your book in a moment what is it talk, talk to you about the innovation in the world of recycling that's happening at the moment you you clearly love it tell yeah. me about what's happening yeah. and, and how it's and how your business is helping to so, I mean, you raised a really interesting point there. It's worth noting. I mean, we are seeing extreme levels of recycling at the moment um, because people are at home. And, and when you're at home, if you compare that to, you know, you go out to a pub and have a meal or a drink or whatever it is, and, you know, that can be delivered in a glass that's going to get washed, you know, if you're in a pub or, you know, if you're eating, then it's likely to have come from something that has very little packaging. You know, everything's sold in bulk. So um, it's got less packaging. And suddenly you're at home and most things at home are single set, you know, you've got, you're just using more packaging at home. And so we have seen recycling really increase um, over lockdown, um, which is both a good thing and a negative. It means we're using more packaging, um, which is the negative, but we are recycling more, um, which is good. I think really for me, the you know, innovations are gonna come in, well, there's lots of things happening. So um, I could spend the whole, cars talking about this and uh, so i'll just be a little bit careful but um you know we've got deposit return schemes coming in in the next few years so that's where when you buy a beverage container be it glass or a can or a plastic bottle um you will pay a little bit extra and then when you and then you'll have to return it to a store to get that money back um so that's quite common in europe and america and it's coming into the uk now that alone will met will have a massive shift on what is collected in the UK because suddenly all of our bottles and cans will disappear out of our recycling system. So councils right. won't collect them. Um, they will go back to stores for deposits. And so we've taken a whole stream out of the system. So what's interesting about waste is, you know, you, you ultimately need to sort it. If you're collecting mixed waste, you need to sort it um, before it's recycled. If you're collecting it sorted, then it just goes straight to the recycler. And if we take bottles out, all these sorting facilities and cans, all these sorting facilities suddenly don't need some of the things they do need. So it's going to be really interesting how our composition of waste changes at home and then what happens further downstream in terms of how that's sorted and recycled, it will change completely. And we think what's going to happen is more, you know, some of the harder uh, things to recycle like flexibles, you know, like um, your plastic bag around um, fruit and vegetables and crisp packets and chocolate wrappers and all that stuff, um, you know, that will start replacing, that will start getting collected um, and it will be recycled. Um, and I always say, and it's a really important point when we come to talk about the book, um, this is a really important point. E everything can be recycled scientifically. You know, there's nothing, so when we all hover over our bin and someone says, can this be recycled? And someone says, no, um, that's factually incorrect. Everything can be recycled. Um, the question is, can it be recycled economically? You know, yeah. and the whole world of recycling comes down to money. Am I going to take something and turn it into something else that's worth more than what I started with? When you start thinking about it like that, it's really interesting because it's just economics. And so if you can make the economics work, if you can make things more valuable, so uh, you create legislation that creates that pull effect, which is what they're yeah. doing because they're, they're saying, well, we're going to charge you if you don't use recycled content in your plastic, for example, uh, with the plastic packaging tax. 
um, we're going to charge you. That creates a pull effect because suddenly you want to have recycled content in your materials. And so what we're likely to see over time is more and more legislation that increases the value of material at the recycler, which then means recycling rates will increase. Fascinating. Wow. So can I just ask for your tips on anything I can think of that can. So let me take an example. Um, when you get the plastic for, um, you know, cans of soft drinks or beer or what have you, you know, I've been yeah. seeing how that can get. I always think of the image of the the, uh, the turtle and how it gets wrapped around the legs and stuff like that. So I always now make sure I cut those and set those. Um, is there any any sort of gem of of advice that you can give for anything any mistakes that we probably make in our households that are actually causing real problems? Yeah, I think probably. Um, uh, well, the one that got me to write the book, alongside a couple of other things, I had quite a few things going on at once. And one of the things that got me to write the book was actually uh, I had a friend over. And we were having a beer and, you know, we had the glass bottle with the metal cap. Yeah. And he went to put the glass bottle in the glass bin and the metal cap in the metal bin. Um, and I, I just said, you shouldn't do that, you know, because uh, that metal cap is so small, um, it won't ever make it to the recycler. So um, really? when, yeah, when recycling is sorted and recycled, it's going through conveyor belts. Um, it goes through a system called a trouble which is basically a giant washing machine. If you imagine a washing machine drum, yeah. you know, it's one of those and everything falls through the holes, depending on yeah. the size. Yeah. So these caps just will never get recycled that way. Um, the best way to make it, to ensure it gets recycled is actually to put it back on the glass bottle. And then when it gets to the glass recycler, they'll smash up the bottle, they'll take out the metal and they'll send the metal off. Um, so so that, oh, that's the one that got it all started and everyone was like, oh, you should write a book because that's really interesting. Um, is, so there is a page in the book about that. You've got my you've got my mind going now. So I went to the bottle bank yesterday, and um, I, have, I love jam on my toast. So I get through so much jam in the morning, especially because I have yeah. three or four rounds. But anyway, I don't want telling people that it's yeah. not 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 important information. But anyway, a lot of jam jars. Okay, so I took the metal caps off, and then put the put the glass through the the recycling. I would leave it. I would leave it on there. Yeah, metal okay. cap. And the same with the same with plastic bottles. You know, people think yeah, you hear things. I mean, it's less familiar. It's less familiar to people because obviously, um, a plastic bottle is a plastic lid, right? But they are two different types of plastic. To create the strength, um, often a plastic bottle will be made of something different to the lid. Yeah. Um, and so some people keep them separate. But again, it's best to keep them on. They get shredded up. They get separated um, as part of the process. Cracking. Okay. Anything else? Because I love that. I'm going to absolutely adopt that now. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, what else do I? Uh, I mean, there's loads of really interesting stuff. Like, um, and I've been doing some research on this one again. I, I'm not sure. I'm trying to work out percentages, but um, re sorting recycling tends to um, tends to use weight, size, density. You know, all these kind of things. They're using air jets. They're using cameras. Uh, they're using all sorts of things to sort waste. So yep. um, there's two types of recycling. You know, if you're in a household where um, you put things in lots of different bins, so you might have a paper bin, a glass bin, a metal bin, that's a completely sorted system. So you don't have to really worry about anything because um, that's going to go to the specific recycler without being sorted. It's already you've done the work. Um, in Bristol, where I live, they give us two bins, one for paper and glass and one for cardboard and aluminium. Yeah. Um, 
and plastic and they do a curbside sort so the guys at the truck literally put it in the right compartment um on the curbside and so again i don't need to worry too much about density and weight and all that because it's going separate um but there are there are co-mingle collections so councils to save costs have said well just put it all in one bin all your recycling and um there are councils where this happens quite a few and that will then go to what's called a MRF, so where they where they sort the waste and as i say they use air jets cameras magnets all sorts of things to sort recycling and so as an example if you have a plastic bottle um and you flatten it you know like you do as you stand over a bin you crush it put the lid on and put it in the bin if you're in a complete if you're in a mixed um a place where stuff is mixed and this would include like out on the street in a recycling bin on the street that's going to be mixed recycling um then if you crush it it could be read as paper so when it gets to the MRF, it's flat so when they do their air jets to move the paper it will get caught in the air jets and be called paper so um you should only really crush bottles in places where you know they're only collecting that specific material stream and if they're collecting a mix you kind of want to keep it same with cans you know you want to keep it the same size and structure that it was when you used it because that's how they're going to try and read it um, oh and so like cans are really interesting cans are really interesting because in the deposit return system for a can to be read you know when you take it back to the store it will have to be complete because they're going to read the barcode um, and so we've got to undo all of this like you know hulk moment where you crush a can you know like everyone does when they stand over a bin suddenly you have to stop yourself doing that because it won't be able to get read by the deposit return system I feel mortified. That's what I've been doing. I've even been getting, uh, I can see a plastic bottle in front of me and before, and I go and get some scissors and cut it into, cut it into, you know, two or three pieces. Yeah, doing, be, I mean, that would be tough if it's going into a, yeah, if it's going into a mixed collection, it's unlikely that would make it all the way to the plastic line. So let's get to your book then in a moment, because it seems to me like we all need to be reading this book because, you know, you're trying, we are, many of us trying to be responsible citizens trying to do the right thing and doing the wrong thing. And so this is why this is great to, to learn that sort of stuff. Um, but before we do that, James, B Corp certified, if I may, I'd just like to, to go there. Yeah. So uh, B Corp certified, just referring to my notes here, just so I always get it right. Companies that balance organizations, companies that balances uh, personal profit. Um, and so they have a legal requirement underneath this certification to consider the impact on the following things. So decisions on the following things, workers, customers, suppliers, community, and the environment. So that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of stakeholders involved right there. Now, again, referring to my notes, 3,700 companies 70, in 74 countries uh, across 150 industries. That's the statistics here of, of companies that are B Corp certified. Um, so it's a, truly, it's a truly awesome certification to have because of how hard it is to get. And it really is that badge to say that this is a business that takes all of this extremely seriously and, and reach the highest levels. So mm. why did your company decide to become, I mean, obviously recycling, I'm, 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 I'm kind of yeah. nowhere with this, but why is it so important to you to be B Corp certified? Yeah, it was actually um, quite difficult for us. I mean, it sounds easy because we're a recycling company doing the right thing. We work really hard and we don't actually recycle anything, but you know, we're, we're making recycling happen um and uh, we work very closely with recyclers and so we're doing this really nice thing but actually it was pretty tough because b corp do um they're very strict in a really yeah. positive way you know that when you've got it you've done really well and yeah. one of the things they did was they actually um docked us some points because 
um, our product was legislated, so people had to buy it. <laughs> so oh, it's really? not a voluntary product. We, you know, you right. comply with the law by buying it. So uh, there was some interesting stuff in there actually that I didn't realise. So it's not quite as obvious. You know, you'd think, oh, this is a company trying to do the right thing. They should be a B Corp. It's actually it was pretty hard to get. Um, in terms of why we went for it, I actually um, I'm quite. Uh, you know, it took us longer than perhaps I would have liked to to get the certification. And there were a couple of reasons for that. I mean, we were just so busy and growing so fast that, you know, it, things just um, things overtake it, unfortunately. Um, but I actually heard about it first, probably about three years ago, I suspect. I was presenting to one of our clients who had just become a B Corp and was a really, um, you know, they're an amazing company. And um, the lady who I was meeting with, um, she was a massive advocate for it, but she was also a massive advocate for us. She loved what we were doing, what we were about. You know, our early clients included people like Innocent and, you know, people that we, um, you know, we really aligned ourselves with and, and very similar to the kind of company that we are. And um, so we'd seen some of our clients become B Corps. It was something we wanted to do. And I was in this meeting and um, she said, this is all great what you're presenting, but why aren't you a B Corp? <laughs> you know, you are the yeah. like, you are the classic company that should become it. You care a lot about your people, uh, the planet, profit, every, you know, we looked after everything and it made sense for us to do it. So um, it probably was about two years after that meeting that we officially got the accreditation. We did the pre, I did that. I actually did the pre-audit straight after that meeting to confirm we met the score requirements, um, but there were areas we wanted to improve and there were things we wanted to do first um, in terms of making sure um, that our company was as strong as it could be and once we got to that position yeah we we pushed for it and uh yeah pleased to say we got it early last year yeah as an organization at cp it's something that we are close to getting now so it's uh you know that when you talk about the process it's something that we we're very aware of and my gosh you have to really work hard to get it so really relate to that um yeah. just before we just before we move on from this you know i would imagine people who see it or hear it may may be a little bit cynical about it and thinking you know it's another corporate social responsibility exercise you know tick 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 all that sort of stuff just help me dispel that cynicism if you can why do you I think, think taking your organization how has it really helped uh, make it it's great... really interesting because after we got it um so probably for about four months after we got it i kept forgetting to mention it so I'd go and do these meetings, you know, events, webinars, meet, you know, whatever it was. And uh, I remember being with a particularly large company and I was, you know, pitching for some uh, consultancy work and what we were doing. And um, and I'd done this big intro to the company and the, uh, someone from the company actually went, oh, and they're a B Corp, <laughs> you know, and I was like, how did I not mention it? And it was like the end of the meeting, it'd been an hour and I'd forgotten to mention it and it was so bad. And so now it's my automatic default, for the one of the first things I say, um, and I've built it into the introduction of the company. But what I found really interesting about B Corp is it's probably the only accreditation where that is true, where people, if you don't mention it, people make sure that others know about it, you know, because yeah. it is so well recognized. And I think if you go for B Corp without the genuine bits underneath, I think it's impossible to get. I think really? you know, there's so much proof and so much such a, a you know a large um it's such a large undertaking you wouldn't do it unless you had all the other bits that came with it and i think for me 
everyone knows in our industry that we are very authentic. Everyone knows that our company, you know, we do what we say we're going to do. We've set up things like, um, you know, we've set up an expir um, an expiration fund, which is a million pounds of our profits, uh, which is going into um, like helping companies to grow, helping re recyclers and innovation to grow. Um, so as part of that, you know, we're doing a, we've just um, given some money to a company that is separating out different types of flexible so they can separate out like crisp packets and they use weight to do it. It's really fascinating. We're helping um, get some reuse standards for waste electricals uh, done. And it's just super exciting, you know, recycling in flats, all these things. I, I love it. And so, you know, we, we've set aside a million pounds to do that as an example alongside yeah. so much other stuff stuff we don't talk about stuff we just do in the background um and all it's our clients it's opened up the can of just it's, it seems to me from what you're talking about it's just opened up so many the can to so many other projects and things that it's just yeah, well, we sort of, they were just things we've been doing and so you know everyone who works with us knows who we are they know we're genuine they know we're authentic and b corp is sort of the like thing that brings all that together it says yeah. here's a really authentic company that's doing loads of amazing stuff and has worked really hard on creating the best team uh, the best environment you know and and is really really trying to do something um, to make a difference yeah. and b corp is just the bit that sits over the top of that that says yeah. someone else has checked your work yeah. um but really really you have to you have to have that underlying uh, business passion and that underlying um respect for profit and sustainability you know i like the fact that it it's not ashamed of profit i think that's important i like the fact that it allows you to be a commercial organization but but it does that in a way that says but you have to do the right thing with it you can't just yeah. you know you can't just look after shareholders yeah okay great and on, on that point of note you know i noticed as i was reading that you know workers customers suppliers it's not just the environment there's a massive yeah. people this as well isn't it so yeah anything right. that involves in, in enhancing the lives of people surely is a great thing as well so yeah uh, you can see why your eyes were lighting up as you were talking about people then it's and as someone who got my cookie delivery today i can tell you that we look after people so let's move to your book i don't know why i slapped my knee then out uh, let's move to your book okay um yeah. you've written a rubbish book <laughs> not yeah. to see that. I'm playing on the words there because you've written the rubbish book. But sorry, James, I was trying to. Although well, no, I, no, no, I am. I mean, I'm setting expectations as I expect them to be. You know, <laughs> early on. I don't think if anyone ever complains to me that it's not written well, I'm just gonna. What did you expect? You know, you did literally <laughs> buy the rubbish book. But so that is the title, the rubbish book. Now, Correct. I'm guessing it is about you know, from the conversation we've been having around the topic of recycling rubbish, but tell us about the book and what it's been like being able to get that passion into words, into a book. Yeah. Yeah, so as I said, I mean, it started from this friend coming over and saying, you should write a book on this. Yeah. Um, and that then kind of squirreled away and I thought, oh, that's that's actually quite interesting. And um, my wife, um, Ellie, she's a, uh, she's a solicitor um but she also uh she draws you know she does these amazing drawings and so i said look what if i wrote this book and you did some drawings and we worked on it as a bit of a project and so um this was about two years ago the middle of 2018 so almost three years ago um 
we kind of we said well look let's do it let's write this book and, we, and originally we envisaged it um to be a bit of, for children you know for and we sort of uh, it was sort of for 10 to 13 year olds something like that yeah um and so we had these drawings and i was writing uh, all this all the things i could think of and i actually when i first started it i envisaged it not being called the rubbish book i envisaged it being called uh, teach your parents um, because it's because recycling is such a great topic for um, uh, as something that young people probably know more than their parents about. And I like the idea of finding topics that like kids knew more than their parents about because kids love coming home and saying, did you know this? And hoping their parents say no. <laughs> um, and so I always saw it a bit like that. So that's how we kind of wrote it, that it was just going to be this kind of um, interesting facts, basically, about recycling. and. Uh, I was going to self-publish it and that was all looking quite good and then I finished writing it and we had, we'd finished all the pictures and we'd worked on it in the evening so I was doing like two or three topics a night and Ellie would be drawing at the same time and we'd kind of complete those pages each night and uh, I then just got cold feet I was like you know I then decided it was called the rubbish book and at that point I figured it was too rubbish and you know I kind of wanted an editor to look at it I wanted someone to just go through it because I'm not a writer I'm a you know, I'm a passionate environmentalist, um, but I'd never considered myself an author. Um, and that, having kind of proofread my first draft of the book, I, I felt that even even more. So I kind of wanted it to go through a proper editing process, um, but I but I didn't. I just saved it, and it's like a classic case of why didn't I just put it out there? But I'm quite pleased I didn't in the end because of what what then happened. So. Um, uh, start of lockdown, I came across uh, this website called Unbound, which I'd never heard of before. And the, what's really interesting about Unbound is they are a crowdfunding publisher. So right. they, their view, uh, quite rightly, is that when you when you create a book and publish a book, if you do it properly, as in not the self-publishing route that I was envisaging, um, and you have a proper cover designed and you have six months of editing, maybe longer, then it's about you know fifteen to twenty thousand pounds to get a book out there, and so if you wow. then can't sell that many books, then obviously publishers will go out of business, right? So what tends to happen is publishers tend to focus on audiences and uh, writers that they know and writers that are going to be a success, and so certain groups of authors, certain stories never get told because they don't meet that threshold of yes, this is definitely going to sell. Right. And so what Unbound did and what I really like about them is they said, well, we'll create a platform like Kickstarter where you put your book idea up and then people fund it. And if it gets funded, that covers all of the costs of publication. And so it's then out in the shops and they, you know, uh, they create professional books that go into Waterstones and WH Smiths and all these places. And, you know, with the aim of that being a very successful, successful book. And they have a team of editors and cover designers and all sorts of things. So I really liked the sound of it because I thought, well, that would get me over my cold feet. I could put my extract of the book up and what I was proposing it would look like. And if people like it, then uh, it'll get funded and I don't have to have cold feet anymore. It just takes a long time. You're funding it <laughs> way before it's created. And so, uh, so funnily enough, they don't accept children's books because... Uh, if you buy something for a 10 year old, by the time it's published, they might be 13, you know, by the time it's funded and, and published. So, um, so yeah, they, so it's just, you get into it at such an early stage, you're buying an idea 
and then it has to go through all of the process of publication channels and all of the design work and everything so um so with my book we're now in a position where it got funded it got funded in a month yeah. um and i have completely rewritten it to make it a, a, you know an adult book which yes. um everyone la everyone laughs at me about because they think i've just added swear words but i've actually just made it a lot more a lot yeah. more complicated um yeah. and it's now uh, it's now 150 topics so you know one of those topics is should you put lids back on the bottle should you crush bottles you know those kind of things there's 150 of them um and it's now a 200 page you know ultimate guide to recycling and, and i finished it i finished it uh january 4th i sent it to them so it's currently going for its first edit and it's probably going to be about another year before it's actually released so it's just really? a just a long process but um i'm very excited about it and i think it'll be really good and you know it's quite nice to do something at this really early stage and kind of be involved in it so i get to help with you know input into the cover design um you know anyone who buys it now in this early stage gets their name in it um so for the rest of time every copy that's sold will have their name in as a supporter um cool. so i really like it because it's different to a normal book so and when it eventually gets released, whoever's bought it now you know and it's available on unbound um they will have their name in it there's exclusive gifts like you get on kickstarter um you know and it, you can get a signed copy and all those kind of things so it's really exciting and, and fun to be part of i'm gonna i'm gonna hustle you on the spot here i hope you don't mind do you think we might be able to offer a discount for our community i'm sure i can get a discount code from them yeah i'll make sure i do that great yeah i mean listen exactly everything i was saying then in terms of right at the beginning can you give me some tips can you let me know what i'm doing that is completely wrong which I'm doing some really wrong stuff. This book sounds great, and everybody from what you're saying should be reading this to really make an impact. And I'd be very happy if they did, because then it would be worth writing it. So, um, so yeah, yeah I think it'll be really, I think it'll be good. I'm really excited about it, and I I do think now is the right time to release something like this. You know, yeah. and I think as we're all at, we've been at home more, as you've experienced, you've used more stuff, and you're now thinking, oh, did I recycle that correctly? You know this book will give you that ultimate kind of guide to did you and there's a few interesting things i've had to do i mean none of this has kind of got through the edit yet so it may not be in the final version but um i've got a i've created a section in it called the rubbish encyclopedia which is basically um 50 household items so you name it it's in there you know um coffee pods bottles um chemical bottles uh, cardboard boxes everything that you would ever have in your house um, there's a page for every single one and it will tell you whether it's recycled how it's recycled things to watch out for you know like for example birthday cards you know if it's got glitter on cut the glitter bit off um if it's got ribbons all those kind of things you know so like i've got 50 pages dedicated to 50 household items and on each of them is a qr code um because i'm going to keep a website live because these things always change so the idea yeah. is that you kind of buy a copy of the book and then you have it maybe next to your recycling bin to scan through this section when you're recycling and then uh if things change you can just scan the qr code it'll take you through to a website with the latest news so i'm quite wow. excited about the kind of interactivity behind it and so yeah, yeah i've styled myself as like the rubbish geek um who writes the rubbish book and who <laughs> one day will pre present the rubbish podcast with the rubbish guests and yeah i quite like the rubbish things as a brand i love it, I love yeah. it. It's it made me laugh when I, when 
when we were talking before this and you mentioned just the title i thought it was i thought it was great james we're running out of time so um i just okay. want to I'm, I'm having a, a sweat here thinking now about the cards with the glitter on the ribbons but i'm going to park <laughs> that i'm going to park that because i'm going to have you put in so i'm going to be able to rectify all this um this but good. the final bit i'd love to ask is um you're going to be taking a bit of sabbatical and going traveling uh which sounds exciting just a, yeah. fingers crossed, obviously COVID, COVID permitting. Um, but what what was the catalyst behind deciding to to want to do that, and what are you planning to do? Yeah, so I've done you know I've done twelve years now at EcoSurety. I've done coming up for well, I did five uh, coming up five years as CEO, um, and I'd always set myself some pretty ambitious targets. Um, I actually joined the company, you know, I was a graduate and I'd always wanted to travel. And when I was at university, I'd laid out this round the world trip that was entirely insane. And I said, right, okay, I just need a job because I need to save up like whatever it was, 25 grand or something over three years. And then I'm off, you know, and I'll, and I'll enjoy that. And, and so I got this job with the view that that would always be my plan. Yeah. I would do three years, I would save up a bit of money and I would go. And I ended up loving it, as I've you know described, and, and really it was the place for me, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. But I've always had that in the back of my mind, um, you know, that I wanted to take some time out. And so, a couple of years ago, I sat down with the the founder and said, you know, if I hit these targets and achieve these goals that I've set myself, um, both financially, we had things like B Corp in there, um, we had all these things that I wanted to do. Um, to make the company a success and to know that I could hand it over because at the time the company was quite reliant on me so I wanted to bring in people that I could hand stuff over to and, and just strengthen it right up yeah. um, and I spent a lot of time on that I spent the last two years on that and we got to a position probably about a year ago where we said right this is definitely possible and so we started the uh, process of recruiting a new CEO probably eight months ago nine months ago and we we then found our new ceo who started in january and i've now got a six-month handover before i leave in july and you know it's something i've always wanted to do hopefully you know covid becomes a bit clearer in the next few months and you know uh, the vaccine becomes available in the next seven to eight months um you know for my age group and that will allow me to do this traveling if not we're just going to play it by ear but one thing I do know is I, I, I'm going to be taking a break from EcoSurety and allowing it to kind of flourish without me, which is really exciting and quite nice to have spent a couple of years planning something and, and see it come to fruition. So, uh, yeah. And as, very and, as, and as an owner in the company, I'm sure even though you'll be stepping aside, you'll still be very excited by the future and, you know, willing everything on that the company does, you know, in the months oh, and years. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I became uh, alongside the founder, I became a part owner last year. And um, that was one of the targets I'd set myself. So that was nice to achieve. And now that I've got that kind of real interest in in, in supporting the company and helping it to grow and uh, not that I didn't have it before, but, you know, now it is a, a little bit more linked. Um, I, I envisage coming back in some capacity and helping the company with whatever it needs and I, I can't see myself walking away so I'm really excited to see what that looks like when I get back but um, no really firm plans yet other than I'm not planning as on coming back as CEO we've got a, a really good new CEO so 
Yeah. Well, you're going to be life on the rebellious side then, it sounds like. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. We'll, we'll see you in a few months with long hair, will we? Massive beard. <laughs> It's already getting, this is all getting much longer than I would like in lockdown. So I did say, yeah, we were talking about this yesterday, my wife and I, am I going to get haircuts while we travel? And I think I may just let it grow out and see what happens. Do it. Do it. Do it. James, it's been so, so great to talk to you. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Learned so much about recycling. As I said, I've been getting the sweats thinking about what I've been doing wrong. The two things I'm going to do massively different are not taking the caps now off the, the beer, the jam jars, etc. And yeah. also crunching crunching up the cans and also not cutting the plastic to make it more compact, which I thought I was doing the right thing by doing which I'm doing the wrong thing. Which is there. No, although I mean the, the things you were describing that you cut up like ring pulls, you know, that's obvious that is good, you know, in terms okay. of the, the the wildlife piece. That one's okay. Um okay. but again, like people have moved away from ring pools so now you can get um you know, uh, they use a little dab of glue to stick the cans together. So there are brands where you can just avoid that entirely, um, where they where they use bits of glue to stick it all together and, and they don't use ring pulls. That's it's said, really interesting. It's still a massive reason to get your book. Thank you for the discount that we are going to be giving to our community. Uh, so we will be the rubbish book. Um, so, you know, thank you. Thank you again. It's been lovely talking to you. Your passion for recycling is just infectious. And I'm so glad that I've had the opportunity to meet and talk to you. So thanks a million, James, and wish you all the very best with everything that you'll be doing over the next months and years ahead. Thank you very much. Thanks. Cheers.